0: Good morning. It's good to see you today. Looks like a lot of people are enjoying a little bit, uh, another little vacation, I guess. And that's a good thing as well. We hope that they had a good time and get back safe. If you're visiting with us today, and we do have many visitors, thank you so much for being here today. And, um, we just pray that you've been blessed already. Anyone in this room directionally challenged besides my wife? I mean, besides me, I'm sorry. Directionally challenged. I think we all get there sometimes. I mean, sometimes we, north seems to be south and southeast seems to be east or northeast or northwest, and I'm not really sure. And we get there, I think, from time to time. John Cooper says that there are three things that you should know about those who are directionally challenged, and that is, first of all, we don't get lost on purpose. Uh, people just don't do that. Go outside of their house and say, hey, I feel like getting lost today. Does anybody do that? doesn't happen. The second thing he says is you seldom know exactly the moment that it happens. You realize it, but you don't know exactly the moment. It's not like a light goes off in your head and, and somewhere, you know, uh, it just goes boom. Oh, if I back up 100 feet, I'll know exactly where I am. I'll never be lost again. doesn't work that way most of the time. Maybe in your house, but not necessarily on the highway. And the third thing about getting lost for us that are directionally challenged is that the road that you're on always determines where you end up? Always, never changes. It really doesn't matter where, you, where your intent is, or where your uh, all the you determine your plans or your interest and expectations of that. It really determines what road you're on to where you end up. Now, we know that as Christians as well, don't we? We know the path that we're on. If we're Christian, we are called Christ-like or we are followers of Christ, and therefore we are on the road to heaven. Give me an amen. Now, oftentimes we try to take a little side tours, scenic route. Anybody get on a scenic route in your Christian walk? I mean, you just get off a little bit. you got to exit for some fuel or something. You're thinking, well, and then before you know it, you're not really sure where you're at. When I was a senior in high school, my uh, a good friend of mine in high school used to be a good friend. I can say that, but anyway, uh, we drove to from Kentucky to Florida. My sister and her husband were stationed down in um, the um, uh, the Air Force Base down in southern Florida. And so anyway, we drive down there and on the way back, we st- we just took turns driving. It's about a twenty twenty hour trip and um, so nonetheless, we're driving and, and on the way back, I remember I was in the back. It was my turn to rest. So I was in the back seat sleeping. Well, we had pulled off to this gas station and so I got in the back and I laid down. He gets in the car and he takes off. And, um, so I'm, I'm asleep because I'm tired. About an hour I wake up because there's so much wind in the car. He has all the windows down in the car. And I said, what? And he's got his head stuck out the window. And I'm thinking, something's not right here. And I said, what, Kenny, what in the world are you doing? And he said, I'm just driving down the road trying to stay awake. And I said, well, pull over because it scared the bejeebers out of me. So he pulls over, he gets in the back seat, and he, he just goes right to sleep. So I'm driving down the road, and I'm seeing Highway 94, 94, 94, 94. We're supposed to be on 75. What well, this cat had got on the wrong road And we were headed west, we were like two and a half hours, we had to turn around and come back, and I never let him drive another lick of the way. Off track, don't we? We all do that. Now it's the same in our spiritual life, and I'd like to say that today, I wouldn't, I don't like to say that, but it's the truth, is we get up on our spiritual lives, we, we choose the wrong path, and there we are. We expect to rise at a particular destination. We're hoping for this and the growth of our church or the growth of our spiritual life or whatever it might be, a class or whatever the ambitions that we might have. And we find ourselves not winding up where we want to be sometimes. We can hope for it, but we're just not going to get there. Now, God, I want to tell you today that God gives us direction in life. Give me an amen. Now, that was kind of a weak amen, but nonetheless, He does give us direction. Now a lot of people don't feel that way. They just think, "Hey, you accept Christ and that's it, and you just on your own and and just flip a coin every day you go out of the house." And that's true. Some people feel that way. But God gives us direction in life. And in that direction, the problem is if he gives direction, would you would you say this? If God gives direction, it's the right direction. Amen. Okay, very good. So, what's the problem? The problem's not God. It's the problem is Many times we choose the wrong direction, to look in the wrong way, the, the wrong lens, thinking that we know better. Anybody, anybody in this room ever think that you knew better than your parents when you were a teenager? Raise your hand. Raise your hands up real high. David's up front. He's wanting a prayer right now. Or Mark is, I'm sorry. And so we, 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 we raise our hand, don't we? And, and, and it's because that's how we feel in our lives. We we think sometime, some way, we know better. Well, I want to give you three hours today to kind of help us through this, if you will. And I appreciate Lonnie, uh, I appreciate Lonnie running the uh, the system for us today, First first in there, and that's great. I appreciate you very much. All right, Henry Black would be in his book, Experiencing God. Actually, it's a good read. He said, you never find God asking persons to dream up what they want to do for Him. That's a good statement. You never find that in Scripture where people just simply said, this is what I want to do for God, and it's going to work out perfect. And you're way ahead of me, but that's okay. And in that process, without a doubt, the most important factor in, in, in any situation that you find was not what the individual wanted to do for God. The most important thing the factor was that God was about what God was about to do with them, through them. And I think that is extremely important in our lives as well. When you look it through that concept, when you look through that concept, and it, it does something for us, the believers, those of us that are followers of Christ. What it does, it takes the pressure off of trying to wade through the different aspects of life, trying to figure out what it is that God wants for our lives. Why is that helpful for us is the question. Well, I think we would all agree that God does not want to burden us. Give me an amen. God wants to bless us. Give me an amen. So if your life you feel as though you are burdened down by what it is that you're called to do or you think you want to do for the Lord, if you're burdened down by that, you're in the wrong path. You're in the wrong arena, if you will, at that time. And the reason why I say that is because what happens when you're in that wrong arena, you cannot be productive. fruit or to be productive in life. And so if you're doing all those things and you still feel burdened in life, it's kind of like sitting in a rocking chair. You might get some exercise, but you're going nowhere. And in that process, a lot of times Christians feel that way. I'm just running and running and running and going and going and going, and it feels like I am not growing spiritually. Church isn't growing growing. Class isn't growing. My spiritual walk isn't growing like I would long for it to do. Listen, you can always find something that you're doing for the Lord, something in whatever it is that you're doing for the Lord and say to yourself, I'm not doing enough. Or you might say, I'm not doing as much as they're doing or I'm not as important as what they are. My particular task isn't as important as what they are doing. And in that, I would simply say you have to get rid of that thinking. You have to get your focus on what you are doing now. We'll stay on that just for a second. You need to focus on what you're doing now. Now, listen, some people feel like, hey, that's it. I don't have to do anything. And that's not right either. Or they're waiting for God to hit them in the head with a hammer to tell them what it is that He wants them to do. That's not good either. But what you are doing now is important. And it's important in the process. So what are you doing now that is giving God glory? Because whatever you're doing now, if it's giving God glory, you know one thing for sure, you're on the right path. Because you have the right motive in doing what it is that you're doing. So you want to have something within you that you're doing in life that gives God glory. Now you say, well, I don't know what that is. Are you making money? Are you giving God the glory for it? Well, I praise Him for all the money I have. The question is, are you giving Him glory for it? By giving Him glory means you give something back. It's the same thing because God has given you the talent to make the money. God is asking you then, how do you show that? It's the same thing with your spiritual walk in every other aspect as well. God gives you talents to use for His glory to bless Him And bless the church. That's how He works. His design is for that in all of our lives. Now, so it's for His glory in that process. So whatever you're doing now is important as long as it's for His glory. And then as you move through that, you know you're on the right path, but He will reveal more and more and more to you. You may not know what it is. It's kind of like traveling a new road that you haven't been on. You know it's a highway. You know you're going somewhere. But there's going to be things that you come along, come along, and you're going to go, wow, I didn't know that. That's exciting. Oh, let's stop there and take a look at that. This is enjoyment here. This is going there. It's something new. It's something refreshing. Brent said today when she spoke for us in our, our part of the, uh, the the time together this morning at 9.30 in our Bible class, in, in the wonderful thing, she arrived there in Ecuador late that night, if you remember, if you were in class. And and it was dark, didn't see anything. The next morning, a bus ride, three hours, what'd she see? The beauty of what God had for to actually witness before she got to even to the point where she was able to help those that she had gone for. So, God reveals His purposes to us, and I believe that. Um, Let me give you one example, just a prime example. I probably have several here, but one is this. He reveals His task and His purposes for us or to us so that you will know what He plans to do. So you know what He plans to do. The one example I would give you is Noah. In the in, in Genesis there, and that's where we're at. When God came to Noah, He did not say, well, Noah, what do you want to do for me? Because if He would have said, what do you want to do for me, Noah, I believe the last thing on the list would have been, build me a boat out in the middle of a desert. Huh? And it's not, and and Lord, I don't want to just build a boat. I want to build a big boat. In fact, I want the boat to be so big that it's going to take me 120 years to make. I'm thinking whittling out a canoe or something like that, right? So we would know that God didn't do that. God didn't say, well, what do you want to do? Oh, that's what we are sometimes. But God came and told Noah, he said, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. I am going to get you to build me a boat. It's going to take 120 years. And the reason why I'm going to have you build this big boat is because I am tired of, tired of this mess and I'm putting an end to it. And in Genesis chapter 6 that you've been reading there. It's the same with us in our walk with life. This is why it is so important to know what God is going to do. Can we know what God is going to do? I tell you, yes, We can. What He is going to do, we can count on Him to do it. Give me an amen. When God says something, you can count on it. When I say something, you have to take that with a grain of salt. I will try my best to do that. I try to be a man of my word. But I've broke my word too many times in life. Not necessarily because I wanted to. I may have forgotten, didn't have the means to do it. But God has all things. And when God says, this is what I'm going to do, God is going to do it. Right? All right, very good. Now we're on the same page. And if we'll keep that in mind, in the process, he's not only going to tell us what he's going to do, but he's also going to tell us what we are to be doing. Aha! So there's something that God God's going to do, but there's something he's telling us that we need to be about doing in our lives in this process. Now, in this, you see, oftentimes we get off course We get off course in our lives thinking that this is what I want to do. And we find ourselves wandering around or frustrated or sometimes both. The story of my life is basically, and you know it if you're a member here. Mine is that I became both of those things, frustrated in life. I became uh, frustrated and I wandered in my life. And the reason why I did is because I told God what I was going to do. This is what I'm willing to do, God. I had no plans. I was like, no, I had no plans. You would have made a list of things that I was going to do for the Lord. Minister would have been probably one of the last things on the list. But until I realized that it wasn't what God's, it wasn't God saying, what do you want to do for me, Harley? But what it was God saying, Harley, this is what I'm going to do through you, whether you like it or not. And it took me 11 years. 11 years. Pre- preparation in my heart to get that out of me to simply say I surrender and when I surrendered God said this is now 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 you can build the boat and I've been build, build, building the boat for about 30 years now so what is it that he is going to do do we have a crystal ball to find out no but we have the written word of God give me an amen all right So God tells us that He is going to do what He's going to do and what we should be doing. Let's find out. First of all, He tells us that He is coming back. He is going to return. Keep that one in mind. God is going to return. He promises that He would. And secondly, He has said, called us to be ready... And in that same process, He has called us to rescue others or invite others on the journey with us. In other words, He in this one, He has called us to be missionaries. All of us. We have a mission. All of us. It's not just left up to those Kent Markhams or Dean Allison's or Bren Winters. We are missionaries. God's called us to be. Really? Yeah, and that's more than just put money in a plate or marketing, air marketing, missions. We are all on a mission. So let's find out. First of all, for his return. He is coming back, return. In John chapter 14, as you see there on the screen for you, he, Jesus says these words. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. I like when he says that, and I use this oftentimes in, in uh, uh, sermons or messages I might give during a funeral time because he's telling us not to let your hearts be troubled. When Christ says that, he said it for a reason, because he knew that our hearts would be troubled. Undoubtedly in this room, somebody today, your heart is troubled. For whatever reason, you know what it is. And you don't like it, but it's trouble. It's something stirring in you. It could be envy, it could be resentment, it could be uh, unforgiveness, it could be... Um, anger, could be bitterness, it could be whatever, sickness, it could be worry and stress, whatever it is, you're burdened by that in your life. But I want to tell you today that Jesus is saying to you, do not let your hearts be troubled. He says, do you believe in God? And everybody says, and everybody says, one more time. Very good. Now, so if you believe in God, you do. I know you believe in God because he was talking to the people there, of course. And he was saying, you believe in God? Oh, sure we do. Then believe in me. Trust in me. Trust God. Trust in me, he says. In my Father's house, are many rooms, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. In other words, trust me. He's saying, now trust me in this. In my Father's house, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And watch this. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back. I'm coming back. So we know that Jesus died on the cross. We know that he went to a grave. We know the grave couldn't hold him. And we know he ascended to heaven. Amen? If you believe that, then your belief must still be connected to his return. He is coming back. Hallelujah, he's coming back. Now, I had a lot to say right there, but I know I need to move on. Back in the spring of 1780, in the Connecticut House of Representatives, was a session which was suddenly brought to a halt because overhead, darkness set in. In fact, it was so scary, the atmosphere became so scary, that some of the representatives believed actually that it was the end of the world was at hand. They were so afraid that they clambered around the assembly and they said, let's adjourn immediately. At that point, a Colonel Davenport rose from his seat and said these words, which are very important. He said this, The day of judgment is either approaching us or it is not. If it is not, there is no cause for adjournment. If it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. Well, the truth is, I don't know when He's coming back. In fact, Scripture says, Jesus Himself doesn't know when He's coming back. God the Father does. And He's going to tell Jesus someday, go get your bride, the church. Someday He's going to do that. But I choose... During that time, to be about the duty until that day. A worker in his kingdom. Now it's interesting to me that people even today react a little bit weird to the idea of the end of the world. How's it going to happen? So we have hoarders or we have these people that... What are these people that dig... Uh, preppers. Okay, very good. And so maybe you're a prepper. Well, you can prep all you want, but when Jesus comes, I don't care how big your bunker is. He's coming back. That's what scripture says. Now, it could be, even back in the 1780s, as you see there, they were in fear of the end of the world, but it could be in the next five minutes before I finish today. Ah, oh, it ain't happening. It ain't happening. I know it. It, it, it's not going to happen. You don't know that, do you? Do you know for sure? It could be in the next five minutes. Someone says, oh, that scares me. And there are still people who react in fear of the idea that Jesus is coming back. Listen to me. You don't need to be fearful of his return. You just need to be looking for his return. You need to be looking for his return. When the skies grow weary or gray or whatever it is, and they look a little weird, you look at the sky and says, my Jesus is coming back someday. And it might be today. We need to be looking forward to it. In Titus chapter, in Titus chapter uh, 2 there, it tells us plainly there, as you got to read down through there for yourselves today, for it is the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Hallelujah. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. This age. Did you know that you can live a godly life even in this world today? Did you know you're called to live a godly life in this world today? And this world is pretty ugly, isn't it? Yeah. Listen to this. It says goes on to say, While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Even the writing of this as we are waiting for the blessed hope of the appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They were longing for His return. Now, I do not know when He's coming, but I can assure you, He's coming. Second R is for the word ready. Much of life is about getting ready, isn't it? Getting ready for this, getting ready for that. Getting ready for school, getting ready for work getting ready for church, getting ready to go to the ball game, getting ready for dance recital, getting ready for music, getting ready for this, getting ready for that, getting ready to get married, getting ready to have a baby, getting ready for retirement. And what you getting ready for? We get ready for everything. In fact, somebody out there is right now saying, I'm getting ready for lunch and if that little short guy showed shut up, I'd go to lunch right now. We are a people of a people that getting ready. Getting ready. We are a getting ready people. We get ready for everything. Oh, getting ready. Just getting ready. Me and Chad are getting ready for hunting season. Me and Mike are, we were getting ready the last five years to go fishing, but he won't take me, but I won't go there. This week I was ready, I was reading a story about a man. This is a good one right here. There's this man that, um, he was rummaging through some things and he found in his drawer this ticket. It was from the local laundromat, a dry cleaner. And and so the ticket was for a suit that he had dropped off. Well, um, he had taken the, 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 the problem with this. He had taken the, uh, the suit in. Eleven years had passed. And so he asked his wife, he says, Do you think that my suit will still be at the shop? She says, Not likely, but it's worth a try. So he drives down to the cleaners. Now get this. He drives down to the cleaners, hands the ticket to the man behind the counter. And the man says, Just a minute, I'll go look. He runs to the back and disappears for a few minutes. And then he calls out, Well, here it is. To which the man simply said, Wow, that's terrific. Who would have thought that it would still be here after all of those years to which the owner and a dry cleaner simply said, it'll be ready on Thursday. <laughs> ready. Ready. We all need to get ready. Trust me. And the most important thing that you can get ready for in your life, I don't care what anybody tells you, I'm sorry. The most important thing you can do to get re- is to get ready to meet Jesus. And the way you do that is accept Him as your Savior, your Lord and your Savior. Accepting Him as that. Why? Because I just told you, He's coming back. He's coming back. Some say, it's well, it's been 2,000 years and He hasn't come back yet. When you make that statement, you know what you ought to be doing? You ought to be jumping for joy. Why do I say that? Is because He could have came yesterday. If you're not ready, He could have came yesterday. So it's because He hasn't come back, you ought to be jumping for joy, and you ought to be accepting the invitation that He offers you today, and that is through Jesus Christ you will be saved. Amen? You need to be ready or you'll miss it. Us kids, when we were little, of course, we lived out in the country and we rode a bus. Any bus riders in the country out there? Okay, very good. You guys will relate to this. Our mom would say things like this. Kids, come on. The bus is here. Come on. The bus is here. We knew what that meant. We'd better get ready because the next words were going to be, you better come on. You're going to miss the bus. You better come on. You're going to miss the bus, she would say. That meant that the bus was about to leave without us. And the next words were going to be, Too late! You missed the bus! And the next words were, Line up! <laughs> no <laughs> To miss the school bus is one thing. To miss heaven is a whole different thing. Don't miss what God offers you freely through Jesus Christ. Be ready. Are you ready? Listen, the second coming of Christ is no doubt coming, but there will not be a third. In verse number 42 of Matthew 24, that bottom part of the scripture says, Therefore keep watch. One translation says, be ready, because you do not know the day the Lord will come. Final R is the the letter R would be for rescue. it's, It's really to invite, but rescue is a good word. God has always been on a rescue mission from the very beginning. He's always been on a rescue mission. He's on one today. He's on one for the broken heart that's here today. He wants to rescue from that broken heart, that hurt, that pain, that loneliness that you have in your life. He's on a rescue mission for you today if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He wants to see you saved so much that He gave His Son just for you. He's on a rescue mission. And the great thing is, and I love this about our God, He didn't have to do it this way, but He did. He invites all of us to go on a mission with Him. How would you turn that down? Years ago, um, a man I looked up to—I mean, a lot—was a guy by the name of Marvin Phillips, and he used to make trip uh, mission trips all around the world, Australia and Africa. I was just this little, still am, but I was just this this, this little guy way down the list. He would have never came up to me and said, "Hey." I went up to him one day and I said, hey, I know you're going on all these mission trips and I'm telling you there's 500 ministers across the country, at least 500, that would, would give their eye teeth to have gone on a mission trip with Marvin Phillipson today. I promise you that. I just went up to him and asked him. I said, Marvin, I said, I want to go on this mission trip. I want to go on a mission trip with you and this is what I want to do. I want to just carry your bags. That's all I want to do. That's all I want to do. He looked at me and he said, you're going. And we went on two mission trips for a month each time over in Africa. The first time when I went, of course, uh, it wasn't just to carry his bags. I spoke 21 times in just about eight days. It was just a, just a continual turn of speaking engagements that he and I both had. And it was wonderful. It changed my life. And in that process, about the second or third weekend, I, I, we were laying, he was laying in the bed next to me and I was laying there at night and we were exhausted from all the things that we were doing. And um, and I said, Marvin, I said, why in the world? Why did you let me come on this mission trip? All the other men, all the other people that would love, to give their IT to come on this mission with you, why did you let me come? And he said, because you're the only one that's ever asked me and told me to carry my bags. I'm glad I said those words because it truly blessed me. God is asking us, you and me, all of us, to go on a mission trip with him. Think about that. That should be the most exciting thing. When you get up in the morning, I don't care if you're going to work, going to school, whatever it is that you're doing, could you just look in the mirror and just simply say, I'm on a mission with God. God has called me. He's let me do that. And I'd be standing up there and I'd be speaking and there would be Marvin Phillips down there. He'd be going, amen, 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 brother, amen. And here is Marvin Phillips sitting at my feet. I'm preaching the word and I was so humbled by that. And God wants to do that for us as we take his word, his love to the world around us. And by doing that, he's saying, amen. That's my child. That's my daughter. That's my son doing the work that I've called them to do. In Romans chapter 10, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on his name. But how shall they ask him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? That's what we're to be about. That's what we're to do. And how will anyone go and tell them unless someone sends them? We talk about our missions and how all of that is important. I love this next part of the Scripture. It's not up there. It says that that is what Scripture is talking about when it says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, the God of bringing glad tidings of good things. God sees us as beautiful instruments in His kingdom when we tell others about Jesus. And Matthew chapter 28 said in our class this morning, this is our mission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is our mission, and our mission will never change. It was the mission that He gave the disciples in the early days, and it is our mission given to us today, and it will not change. In our daily walk, we are to reflect Him in some way, some fashion. That brings him glory, praise, and honor in his life, in our lives. You don't have to travel the world like Dean or others on our mission uh, team here at Western Hills. You are on a mission field. It's right around us, it's in our workplaces, it's in our schools, and it's in our communities, and it's in our neighborhoods. And it's in first place, it's in our homes place where it's needed the most, most, the biggest impact. Why? Why is our home the biggest impact that we should have? Because of this fact. If you are unwilling to talk about Him in your home, I guarantee you, you are not willing to talk about Him in your world. Our purpose as Christians is to tell others, to show others, to share with others, to reach others so that they can reach the destination that God has for them as well. He saves you so that you can show others that they too can be saved. Last thing. You know when you're lost or if you're somewhere and you don't really know where you're at, what do you do? You ask someone. Someone said, I don't ask anybody, I just use my GPS. You're asking someone. You're asking someone when you do that. Little lady comes on there and says, You're lost. You're asking for directions. Why? So that you can get to your destination. In the lost state, is not where you want to be. If it was, you all oh, we're lost, but let's just stay here. So when you go back home, if you can get back home, you simply tell everybody, we got lost and just stayed there. Where was it? I don't know, we were lost. But you can't get there if you don't ask. But when you ask God, He says, I'll get you there. Isn't that awesome about our God? And you certainly can't help others if you don't know where you are going. Are you ready? Are you ready for His return? And are you ready to help rescue others along the way? What's been taking place down in Houston and Beaumont and all the areas down there and Louisiana and all of that, people have been rescuing people. It's quite amazing what's going on. And I'm thankful that there are people that are doing what they're doing. There's first responders and just... Just lines and lines of people going down through there. And you know, one of the things they're saying, man, there's nothing like a Texan, man. They're all in for everybody. They just love everybody. Christians are called to love everybody. Christians need to be standing in line, helping one another, not pulling them off the roofs or out of their houses. And all of that's good and well. But what we need to be doing is pulling people out of the pits of hell and telling them about our Jesus that saves. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. saves. That's what we're to be about. That's our mission. And it's our mission because we have been rescued ourselves. The person that's been pulled out of those floodwaters and knew that they would be lost, you don't think they said, well, what's this? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do that? Oh, they're thanking them, people. I just love it. They're thanking those people. Thank you, thank you. Without this person, they would be lost. Thanking them. I think they have a thankful heart and they're willing to reach out and do things for others as well. We were lost, too. But God rescued us. Aren't you glad that He rescued you? Then find someone that needs rescuing and help them to find the direction that God has for their life. Maybe today you have a prayer request. Maybe today you have a a need in your life. Whatever that is, whatever that is, This is the time that we offer a song just for you to come. You can come now as together we stand and sing.